Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast, where we have everyday candid conversations about struggles that you may be going through as you step into a plant powered lifestyle and how to overcome them. We are your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. We recently got a question that we actually hear all the time and even deal with still after so long, and that is. How do you navigate eating a vegan diet in social situations? It's easy for me to eat a vegan diet while at home, but when it comes to going out with my friends, free food at work, and especially when it comes to dating, it's been really difficult. And we totally understand that struggle and want to address it in this episode. Yeah, even in these times of the age of pandemic where we are social distancing, staying home when we can, and not being in nearly as many social situations as we have in the past, we still got this this question during this time and is still something that comes up. So we want to address it. And then this will also be a resource that will be helpful for hopefully years to come going forward as we're able to return to normal life, able to gather and have more social interactions. But we're just going to jump in, starting with one of the most common questions was eating out with friends. How how does one go about that when you're vegan or plant-based and worry that you're going to be inconveniencing your friends? Maybe there's nothing that you'll be able to order on the menu. You just feel a little bit nervous or self-conscious. What if you're too shy to, to ask for help from your waiter? Anything like that. So Tony, what are your tips? First, I like to take control of the situation partly because that's just my personality, but also because it really allows you to end up at a place that is going to be vegan friendly. And when I take control of the situation, I kind of first ask what the group is feeling so that I do include what they want and I'm not taking them to this raw foods place that no one is going to want to eat. And then from there, I will do a little bit of research, call around, and just make sure that the vegans of the group or myself will be accommodated. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. And I come from the opposite end of the spectrum where that is not my natural personality. (laughs) I hate inconveniencing anyone or feeling like I'm making a decision for people. It just makes me so uncomfortable. But it's something that I've learned over the years not only to get better at and feel more confident in, but it it also is such a gift that you're able to give the group. Like how many times have you been in a situation where like, where do you guys want to go eat? I don't know. I don't know. You choose. Like it's just the decision fatigue is real in group situations where no one wants to step up and coordinate and figure out where to go, how to get there. So if you're able to take that role, the leadership role in a group or a work group or whatever, that it can really benefit everyone and is such a gift to be able to give people. And it does allow you to avoid the common struggles that we're about to go into. Okay, if you do take control or you're in a group situation and you're able to like give some say about where you want to go, Tony, what are your suggestions for what types of restaurants are generally more vegan friendly? I like different types of international cuisines. So I go, my go-tos are Thai food, or Indian food, Ethiopian is really delicious. Knowing, like having a good grasp on restaurants that have vegetarian rice and beans that are um, here in in Sacramento, there are a lot of Mexican restaurants, for example. Knowing which ones have vegetarian rice and beans are 
always a go-to for me. Oh, and of course, ramen, Michelle. Yes, soup, always soup. <laughs> <laughs> ramen is a little hard to navigate vegan, but if you do know of a place or if you go to on Yelp or Happy Cow and see that there's a, a friendly ramen place nearby and it's a chilly winter month. <laughs> so good. Or, or, hot, or summer. Summer, so hot summer, <laughs> hot summer day. <laughs> the beauty of going to ramen in the summer is you don't have to wait five hours in line. Like <laughs> we can sit right down and get served right away. That's our favorite place. If, if you didn't know, we... We love ramen. Yeah, there's a place called Shoki Ramen House if anyone ever visits Sacramento and it is delightful. But again, that's, that is not a vegan ramen house by any means. It's just a regular ramen house with vegan options on the menu. So look for, um, I highly recommend using apps like Happy Cow or Yelp and just searching for vegan on those apps in your area and you'll find lots of not only specifically vegan because a lot of times if you want to go to a vegan only restaurant the group will kind of feel like oh god we're going here just for you but if you can find a restaurant that is not specifically vegan but has great vegan options I often find that takes away any sort of like friction in social situations and makes everyone feel like they're all being seen heard listened to and going to a neutral environment but you know you'll be able to order without having any sort of weirdness come up. Another thing that is sort of the opposite of being a friendly vegan and can come off a little bit obnoxious is if you're being super, super nitpicky. I mean, just imagine sitting down for a restaurant and at a restaurant with a group of people who are there to socialize and enjoy their experience and eat food. And you're there being like, hold on. I don't know what I can eat on the menu. Waiter, can you come over? Which of these are vegan? Okay, but is the bread really vegan? Would you mind bringing the ingredient list to that? They go back and check. Oh, they can't find it. Oh, you can't find it. Can is it? Can I talk to a manager to figure out like why don't you have the ingredients list here? <laughs> like it just. I was just gonna say it's just a really big inconvenience to everyone at the table, and it makes it seem like veganism is such a burden and it's such a hassle, and it's an inconvenience to server, the chef, your friends at the table, and to me, it does more harm than good, and so. I know everyone has their own feelings and opinions on this subject, but one way that I don't inconvenience the table is you could either, we'll say if you're at an Italian restaurant, my family, they whenever there's something fancy to celebrate, they want to go to Old Spaghetti Factory. <laughs> and, uh, and there's really only one thing I can eat there, and that is the pasta marinara, and they also give free bread. Your options are don't eat the bread if you really care or eat the bread and assume that it's vegan because it likely is vegan. A lot of bread is vegan. But I do not recommend making the poor server do all the extra work and find the ingredients list for you and to inconvenience the table. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Please don't do that. And if you are someone who's like, I want to know if that bread is vegan. I mean, I'd be coming to this restaurant regularly with my family and I, I'd hate to not be eating it if it is vegan. You can do that outside of this whole situation. Look online, call ahead, um, call afterwards and have a conver those conversations in private where, yeah, you're not inconveniencing anyone else. I think being sensitive to others and if your mission is to create a kinder world and reduce suffering, Ultimately, if you eat some bread that has a teensy bit of dairy in it or butter in it, it's not really going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things. But if you come off as 
making vegan look impossible, really frustrating, hard and obnoxious, then all of the people around you witnessing this are going to be turned off from a plant-based lifestyle forever, <laughs> potentially. And that can do a lot of harm. That I mean, that that is going to set a lot of people back. I want to make two notes about that. If you're going to call as someone who has worked in restaurants, please call off the main hour. So like call at 3 p.m. so that you're not calling at a, another inconvenient time for people who are working in the restaurant. And then I want to stress that we all have our own comfort levels. And if if you don't want to eat the bread, you don't have to eat the bread. And for myself, there are things like bread or tortillas that I don't personally care about the tiny ingredient um, amounts of ingredients that are in there. But I, I do have hard rules about not eating something that obviously has a lot of dairy on it or meat or, or things like that. So we're not saying do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, but you'll just have to figure out what your own comfort levels are and how to navigate that in your, in your own life. Yes, 100%. And we talk a lot on this podcast episode about the idea of being a perfect vegan and how A, there is no such thing. B, it's really harmful to put those kinds of expectations on yourself or anybody else. Be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself. We're doing the best that we can. And remember that those really minute things, it's mostly a personal preference, especially like, hey, are you are you sauteing this on a pan that also has cooked meat in the past or that has meat on the side of it? That's ultimately not going to make any impact on animals so if you're or the environment. So if you're doing it for animals or animals or, or really your health. So if you're doing this for any of the reasons, it might give you the EBGBs, which that's a personal thing. But ultimately... If it's not giving you the EBGBs, I encourage you not to uh, make a huge, huge deal about it. To recap that section, take control in advance if possible. Advocate for a vegan-friendly place if you can. Different cultural restaurants are really, really great. They often have lots of vegan-friendly options. If you can't have any say, do the research, call ahead, find out what you can eat there. If you won't be able to eat much there, you can always eat in advance. And then don't be the obnoxious vegan. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, so what about food at work? I know that that's free tough. food at work. Yeah, free food at work. I know that there are people who have an occasional catering at lunch. So I was a nanny when I became vegan, and I was a vegetarian, and they knew that, and they accommodated me with a free vegetarian meal. But when I became vegan, I was so worried that I was going to inconvenience them or make them feel bad if they cooked me something that was specifically vegetarian, even though they weren't vegetarians. And so it just made me feel really uncomfortable to speak up for myself. So in my own head, and I've talked about this before, I I transitioned pretty slowly. When I finally decided to cut the cheese, I said, I'm going to cut the cheese at home when I'm buying But when I'm at work, I'm not really in the position to turn down free food. So I'm going to eat what they give me. And that worked for me until I was comfortable enough to say, hey, by the way, I am pretty serious about vegan lifestyle. And uh, I just wanted to let you know. And it doesn't have to be as formal as that. It can be something that is casually thrown in there. But I gave myself the opportunity and the time to become comfortable with my lifestyle change and then to advocate for myself. 
Yeah, I think that's a great example. And everyone can find their own comfort level in speaking up about those things at their workplace. And depending on the size, scale type of work environment you're in, you may have zero control, even if you do speak up about what food is going to be served. But if you never tell anyone in your workplace that you're vegan and they have no idea, then anytime food is served, if there's no other vegans around, that will be be zero consideration in their minds when they source food. If you just casually work it in a conversation somehow, somewhere, so that in people's mind, they know part of your identity is vegan. A lot of people try to be conscientious of others, especially when they're doing nice things like getting food for a group. And like my husband at his work, everyone knows he's vegan. He's not an activist or an advocate or like, he just happens to be vegan. Everyone knows that. And it's really sweet when they have like a celebration, especially that involves him. They make sure they get like vegan cupcakes from this local bakery. And they just like put in that little bit of extra effort. And it feels so good because it's not only harmful to you when if someone brings you food that you can't eat, obviously you're like, dang, I wish I could eat that, but I can't. But it's actually like creates a super awkward situation for them who's trying to do something nice for you and for the office group. And if they see someone not eating as a host and a giver, it feels a little bit bad. So anything that you can do to sort of sort of like preemptively avoid those situations by being by just showing who you are, saying who you are, just speaking up a little bit more in advance, I think that can prevent a lot of uncomfortable situations. And sometimes that can be as simple as sharing a cool documentary that you liked, or if you went to a farmed animal rescue, then being like, oh yeah, I recently became a vegan, or I recently started eating plant-based, and we we went to the farmed animal sanctuary or watch this documentary and it was really exciting. So it doesn't have to be, hello, my name is Tony and I'm a vegan. It can just be in passing. Yep. Another great way to do it is to bring some treats to share with your office. So you could bake cupcakes, cookies, a savory dish, whatever, bring it in to share it and just be like, hey, these are all vegan cupcakes. I don't know if you guys know, but I'm actually vegan. So they're delicious. You won't miss the dairy. I hope you'll give it a try, you know, just so that you can be giving and sharing delicious food. Everyone loves that. And it'll take down those barriers and those judgment reactions. (laughs) That's actually my favorite way is to share food. I found that if the food is yummy, people will eat it no matter if it's vegan or not. So if you can also say or use that as a as a segue to how you eat vegan, then that's great. But if you're in a situation at work where whether you tried these things or didn't, food appears, you're hungry, you can't eat it, or it's at least doesn't identify it as, as the food that you eat, you have two options. One is just, it kind of sucks. That just sucks. You're not going to be able to eat the food from work. Just make sure you empower yourself and bring snacks or whatever. And then your other option is just have a little bit, have some, enjoy it. Don't be hard, too hard on yourself. Um, it's not the end of the world if you eat free food that someone got for you. And then that's that. Move forward and go and eat your vegan food from then on. Especially if that's what's holding you back is the free catered meal at work. If you tell yourself, like I told myself, oh my gosh, I don't want to inconvenience. I don't want to seem like the odd person out. If that's what's holding you back and a barrier that you are that is just leaving you not becoming plant-based, 
it's okay to continue eating that and then just eat plant-based all the other times. Don't let that stop you. For the listeners, always have food on you, bring treats and food to share. Sometimes it can just suck. That's okay. We're adults. We're all good here. (laughs) It's just one little moment in time and it will pass and then you can eat whatever you want. Don't be too hard on yourself. Also, that when it sucks, I want to emphasize bring snacks because if you're like me, you get hangry. (laughs) So bring snacks. Yeah, especially if you know someone's going to be bringing food to share and you're not going to be able to participate, you can totally avoid that hunger-based frustration (laughs) by just preparing a little bit. Um, Yeah, and don't be too hard on yourself. Okay, next topic, dating. It has been a hot second. I have been married for almost five years and in a relationship for more than 10 years, but I still very clearly remember the struggles of dating when you're vegan. Before Dan, my husband, I dated someone who was not vegan. And at the time I was vegetarian. Um, I had been vegetarian since I was eight years old, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, but I went vegan in the middle of a relationship and it was not a struggle to like go vegan so much. I mean, I was, I was dedicated. I had my reasons. I was ready to make the change and put in whatever effort it took, but the relationship did cause a little bit of a struggle because my partner at the time was super frustrated that if we went out to pizza, we couldn't just order a cheese pizza. Like we had to order half cheese pizza and half something else. It just felt like he was being inconvenienced and didn't understand the reasons why. And so it created some tensions, which were frustrating. But everyone I had ever dated before Dan had never even been vegetarian. So I was just used to having those differences in relationships and not really seeing eye to eye on that stuff. And I still had a lot of really beautiful relationships. And yeah, I know that's a question that we get asked all the time. It's like, should if you're vegan, should you date someone who's not vegan? Of course, we're all just human beings. Like we were all not vegan at one point. Tony, I know you have experiences. Yeah, there are slim pickings sometimes. And I remember online dating here in Sacramento. Originally, I had all of these qualities I was looking for or lifestyles that I would prefer. I wanted them to be open to swing dancing. I wanted them to be open to eating vegan food. And as I went along uh, in the dating process and found that I wasn't having any of my expectations met, I began to loosen them up up a little bit. And I met some really interesting people. And I ended up dating the person I dated before my husband. He was, I met him through swing dancing and he is an awesome person. I'm still friends with him. And here's what happened. Shout out to Gary and Amber. If you're listening to this, I started dating Gary and he was a meat eater. He was talking on our first date about how his favorite thing to cook was lamb stew. And I was like dying inside thinking, oh my gosh, who eats a little baby sheep? I can't believe it. At the time I was working at a farmed animal sanctuary. So I was feeling really passionate and uh, fast forward a little bit. He did a 30 day vegetarian challenge for himself. And at the end of the 30 days, he told me, Hey, I had eaten for 30 days, only vegetarian food. And I was so happy. Then he watched Cowspiracy and became fully vegan. And even though we broke up, he maintained his veganism. Then he started dating 
his wonderful partner, Amber, and she became vegan. And then I met her and she told me that not only did she become vegan, but she was sharing vegan presentations at her work at UC Davis. And I just thought, wow, this is so cool. I love that, that I saw him for more than what he was eating and that this is how it all came to be. And I just, I just thought it was so cool. So don't write anyone off just because they're not vegan. Yes, agree with that 100%. And I also encourage you guys, if you haven't already, to listen to our past episodes with both Stephanie and Josie. I think, were they both from season one? I think so. From our podcast over at plantpowerpodcast.com. You can find those episodes. And they are both in marriages with non-vegan partners. And they have beautiful, loving, amazing marriages with families. And they talk about how they navigate that. So one of the things is if you're going to step into a relationship with someone who isn't vegan, you kind of have to do it without holding a forever expectation over them to do what Tony's boyfriend did and go vegan. Otherwise, it's going to be really a pressury, unpleasant, weird situation. You kind of just have to release that expectation on other people and let them find it themselves. But anyway, those are two podcast episodes that I highly recommend that you check out. Also, I wanted to share a graphic that we created for World of Vegan recently, which I think says a lot about dating when you're vegan. And the graphic says, if he doesn't respect that you're vegan, let that, and then it's a picture of a mango. So let that mango. And what I think is cool about this is that the original graphic said, if he's not vegan, let that mango. But that's not cool, guys. (laughs) Like Whether you're vegan or not vegan, it has nothing to do with in your heart ethics, whether you're a good person or a bad person, it really has more to do with what you've been exposed to in your life. That is not a reason I think to date or not date someone. But if you're with someone who doesn't respect you and what you care about, the things that you're interested in, the things that you're passionate about, the decisions that you make about your health and your body and what to put on your plate, that is a little bit of a deeper problem that I think could create some serious issues And it's just kind of a dangerous situation to be in anyway. Someone's not respecting you and your beliefs. So I think that's something to think about. Yeah. I'd like to add to that, that I remember when I was dating online, there were people who just were not interested in dating someone who ate plant-based and that's fine. You don't have to convince them or try to justify your decisions. Sometimes dating in general. It's just, we decide what we want and what we don't want. And so if someone is making you feel badly because of your decision to be plant-based, try not to take it personally. It's just a personal preference. Like for myself, I wouldn't want to date anyone who drank alcohol. That is a very sensitive subject in my world. And it's not personal. It's just, I don't have interest in dating someone who who drank alcohol. So just try not to take it personally. Love that. And I'd love to hear from from you all listening if you have experiences, advice, situations, anything like that. Um, you're always welcome to call call into us. We actually have a call-in number at the plantpowerpodcast.com where you can call in and leave us messages or you can send us emails, whatever. But we'd love to hear your stories as well. Moving on to something that many of us will experience at one point time or another or many times throughout our life, and that is travel. Not so much in the pandemic age, but <laughs> post-pandemic, travel, travel, travel. 
can be a really tough thing. I know that was one of the things that I was really scared, a little bit nervous about. And I just thought was going to involve so much sacrifice when I became vegan. Because whether you're in the airport or you're going to an unknown land or location or even somewhere where you don't speak the language and you can't even read labels, there's just a lot of things to navigate with that. So, Tony, what are some tips? One of my favorite tips is to use the Happy Cow app. And I've used it in several different countries with great success. Sometimes uh, they, well, they have like a little guide and it will tell you if it's a fully vegan restaurant, if they are vegetarian friendly, or if they are just not vegetarian friendly. And I've found fantastic all vegan recipes with their, I'm sorry, not recipes, uh, restaurants with the help of Happy Cow and recommend downloading the app if you haven't yet. Also agree. It's a must have on your phone, the Happy Cow app. But if you don't have that, Yelp works too. You can always just search vegan in your area, wherever you are, and it'll pull up the vegan friendly restaurants around there. But Happy Cow is really nice because you, you get to read specifically comments, ratings, and whatnot from other vegans who sort of like get it in terms of like how good the offerings were there specifically for vegans. Another thing that we encourage you for travel and basically for all things in life, but bring food with you. So no matter whether you're on a car car trip and you're going to be stuck eating whatever fast food places are near, or you're traveling on through an airport on airplanes and you're just not going to know what options are around you or just, uh, yeah, in any travel situation, if you're in a faraway land, pack some Cliff bars, energy bars, go macro bar, whatever type of bars you like, pack some bars. You can pack like oatmeal packets. Those are great. You can heat those up in the hotel rooms and use the coffee maker to make hot water. Don't we have a a video on YouTube about uh, snacks for car road trips? Yeah, we told when we went to the Natural Products Expo West, I think we did, or was it Animal Rights Conference? One of those. We did a little video showing our favorite car snacks, road trip and snacks. We'll include that link in the show notes. Yep. But it is kind of a fun time. Like if you're going to be traveling, getting to go to the grocery store and buy all those snacks that I don't know about you, but I don't usually spend time in the snacks aisle, the chips aisle, the chocolate candy, any of those things. I don't spend time in there. I, I usually eat a whole a real food that I'm cooking in the kitchen while I'm home. But when you're traveling, I take that as an opportunity to kind of splurge on those things and pack stuff that are going to be able to transport well, be be good in heat, be able to be taken on the airport and pass security and all that so that I'm always prepared. It's a really exciting time to travel because for the most part, I mean, back for vegan and 10 years ago, this was really important. Like you had to bring your own food or you wouldn't eat. But these days, it's really exciting. Even in airports, there's so many vegan friendly options, bagel shops, sandwich shops. Of course, those are like kind of the staples. Sometimes you'll find um, like burrito spots that can make things. But now, Tony, what are some other cool things that you can that you've seen in airports? Sometimes there, it depends on which airport you're in, but if you're in a major city and it's a vegan friendly city, oftentimes, not often, but sometimes you will find a, a, an all vegetarian or vegan restaurant in the airport. So I know that SFO has Amy's. I know that LAX has, is it Real Foods Daily? I think so. And then uh, one in Seattle is, 
It's from Cafe Flora, but I can't remember the airport name, but it's really yummy and you just have to turn on your Happy Cow app as soon as you get into the airport. Yeah. And then it's cool too, because a lot of the even fast food joints like Carl's Jr. or whatever, if they're present in the, in the airport, a lot of them are now offering plant-based burgers, vegan burgers, and you'll play fine places like Jamba Juice. And of course, you if like worse comes to worse, you can always go to the little airport markets and find fruit, you know, or pretzels or something like that. Pre-pandemic, I was traveling nearly weekly and uh, and by plane and I would tend to uh, go to Starbucks in the morning for oatmeal and either Jamba Juice for a, for a snack if I wasn't doing oatmeal and then for a more substantial meal I liked um, Subway or Chipotle. Oh, Chipotle all day, every day. Mm, yeah. Okay. Traveling to locations themselves. I encourage you all to let go of the fear and instead embrace the adventure. It is actually a really exciting time to be discovering what local spots have in different areas that are vegan. And a lot of times you will be blown away by all the little mom and pop or smaller brand new vegan places that are opening up. I know a few years ago, I went to Spain with my mom and um, I just thought of it as my, it's my mom's trip. I didn't think at all about food. I just thought, okay, I'll just whatever, wherever she wants to eat, wherever she wants to go, I'm just going to be there by her side. This is her trip. So I did not expect to go looking out and seeking out vegan options. And I was blown away. We'd be walking down the street and I'd be like, I'd see a big sign that said like vegan, blah, 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 blah. There were like probably 20 vegan restaurants that we passed or like little markets or cafes. And then I started pulling up the Happy Cow app and we sort of got on a mission to starting to go and look at all of them because that was just really fun. But the cool thing is at the time, this was a few years ago, almost all of those places had opened within the past two, three, four, five years. And so prior to that, it was really hard to travel to Spain and have a really epic culinary experience. But now it's so fun to travel as a vegan. And it's like that not only in Spain, but in in Germany and Japan and literally any pick any country, pick any city almost. And it's a really it's a really cool time to travel and, and see what's going on around the world. Even here, when my husband and I drove throughout the South, I thought that it would be really difficult, but there were so many cool locally owned restaurants that were all vegan or really vegan friendly. I know that there was one in Jackson, Mississippi that was, I think it's called Cool Owls. If if you know of it, you can let me know. It's, you are, I guess you already know. It's so good. It was once, I think like a, maybe a barbecue spot that the family who owned it started eating more vegetarian and then vegan. And so they started working with the people who have the herbivorous butcher and then created these really fantastic burgers and sandwiches with the herbivorous butcher deli meats and cheeses. And whoa, what a pleasant surprise in Jackson, Mississippi. That's so cool. 
It's interesting. The it's my experience now in traveling is the opposite of what it was 10 years ago. It's actually a challenge to try and be able to visit all the places that I want to visit. So if you're going to a new city, like if you're tra- especially if you're traveling somewhere like Portland or in New York City or somewhere that's just busting with vegan options, do you research in advance and almost prioritize the ones that are the most important to you that you want to visit? LA, like Bay Area, any of these places, like you're really going to have to prioritize because there's not time to hit them all in a week. It's crazy. Like Tony and I would travel and be like, okay, we're going to have like early morning breakfast and then mid morning breakfast and then lunchtime snack and then <laughs> lunch and then post lunch and then dinner and then like a like an evening dinner just so that we can fit in all these awesome places we wanted to visit when we were traveling. Yeah, there was a point where we were even sharing meals so that we could only eat a little, like a, we could order one plate at one place so that we could go to the next place and get another meal. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. So that's travel. Bring food with you. Use the Happy Cow or Yelp app. Make it an exciting adventure. And then, yeah, check out the growing options and airports and beyond. Worst case, it's, it's always fruit. <laughs> it's always fruit. Let's talk about birthdays and celebrations. So someone's having a party, celebrating their birthday. You're invited. You head on over. They pull out the cake and ice cream. Everyone's singing happy birthday. They cut pieces for everyone. And Tony, they're handing you a plate of this birthday cake celebrating your friend. What do you do? I personally would say, no, thank you. And continue passing the plate along. Um, But if someone were vegan and wanted to eat it, I would not judge them. Agreed. I I feel the same. And I think most, most vegans that I know who are adults are, are feel very comfortable just passing on the cake. (laughs) If it's a huge deal, sometimes maybe they'll be like, okay, I'm going to have a cake at home later. I'm going to go bring something for myself. But, but usually it's like just pass on the cake, no big deal at all. But it gets a little more tricky um, when we're talking about kids or parents who have kids. Now that I'm entering that stage of life where I have a little one, I know that birthday parties get a lot harder with kids because kids are going to want to eat the cake. They're going to want to eat the cake that everyone else is eating. So there's lots of tips that plant powered parents have shared over the years. You know, bring something that your kid can eat, bring, bring your kid's favorite thing. So they're always empowered with that. Or I also know vegan parents who say, I even have an article on World of Vegan that's I let my kids, my kid eat non-vegan birthday cake. And here's why. And before you start judging and going wild on this poor, poor mama who's just living her life, trying to do the best that she can, um, I encourage you to read that article. It's really good and thought-provoking. There's also another one that's, we raise our kids 99% vegan. And here's why. Ultimately, 99% vegan or 100% vegan, it's not really going to make a difference. And actually, you could probably make a much bigger difference if you just uh, give life a tiny bit more flexibility. But yeah, you can always just bring your own, similar to if you're eating at work and you don't want to be left out. If you're hosting the party, again, that's why I love to be in control. I'm like, oh, it's your birthday. Let me host you a party. Uh, I was actually, when my husband and I were searching for a home, it was one of the things that we really wanted to do here is gather and share food with our friends, most of whom are not vegetarian. And all of the food at our house is always vegan. And a cake that has been fantastic always is the Whole Foods chocolate cake that you can call ahead and have them write something really nice on it. So I 
found that out when I was planning his 40th birthday and I called him and was like, will you please write happy 40th birthday? And since then I've purchased it so many times for all kinds of celebrations and no one even thinks twice about it being vegan. That's a really great point. And I love that bringing, bringing your own treats or bringing a birthday cake for someone's awesome. You can also look for bakeries in your area that have vegan options. And a lot of them will be able to make vegan cakes, which is amazing. I have a recipe for vegan birthday cake on World of Vegan. So just search cake on there. I make that for people all the time. No one's really going to turn down you home making them a cake too. So you can always bring them an extra cake to their party. And yeah, it's a great time to support the especially smaller makers who are are baking and could use the support. Oh, even there's some shops online that can make vegan birthday cakes and ship them, which is really exciting. I just I just tried something from one of those shops. I can't remember the name, but I'll try and remember and drop it in the show notes. But yeah, you have lots of options on that front. Moving on. <laughs> holidays. We have talked about holidays in depth before. So we're not going to go too deep into this in this episode, but we encourage you to check out the episodes Surviving the Holidays. That's a past Plant Power People podcast episode. And then also Conquering Holiday Convos. If you're worried about having conversations with people or just any awkward situations over the holidays, that episode with Chris Friedrich is a really, really good one. So we encourage you to listen to that. Also, we created the Friendly Vegan Cookbook in large part to be able to empower you all to create delicious food that you can share. And we have a lot of holiday friendly recipes in there, green bean casserole and mac and cheese and stuffed shells and all sorts of stuff, gravy, mashed potatoes, all all those holiday, holiday favorites. So I encourage you to get that book if it's not already on your bookshelf. It's awesome. We're so proud of it. We, we love our cookbook, The Family Vegan Cookbook. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. And then the same tips sort of apply here. Bring your own dish to share. That's like number one, number one. <laughs> Just bring your own dish to share and you'll always have something to eat. Let your You can let your host know in advance, if it's, especially if it's a smaller gathering, um, letting them know that you just heads up, you're vegan. If you feel comfortable with that, you can go Tony style, host it yourself, <laughs> everyone over to your place. And even like, it's not, not like you have to cook everything from scratch yourself. You could host a potluck and have people bring whatever. That's what we do. Yeah. Worst case scenario, if you feel worried that you may not have anything to eat there, eat beforehand. And not even worst case scenario, I'd say I do this often. If I'm going to someone's house, I don't really want to like inconvenience them or ask them or call ahead or even make a dish to share. But I just want to be able to enjoy the social experience and not have to worry about food. I'll just make sure I don't show up hungry. I eat beforehand. And then it's like, oh my God, if there happens to be something to eat, it's a little extra perk. But if not, no sweat off anyone's back. No big deal. No one will even notice you're not eating, possibly depending on the type of gathering. and you'll be feeling fine. Yeah, yesterday, actually, my friend Doni moved, and I helped just a tiny little bit, but she ordered pizza, and I brought my own Tupperware and ate rice and beans from my Tupperware, and you'd think it would be awkward or weird for other people, but nobody even asked me. They were so interested in eating pizza that it was totally fine that I was eating rice and beans. 
And even if someone had, like, I have the uncle, hey, Uncle Barry, (laughs) who will always be like, Michelle, you can't just make an exception for this one meal. Like, you have to be the one eating your weird food off to the side. And (laughs) yeah, but it's just, as vegan people, we just have to grow a backbone. And we have to just shake that stuff off. No big deal. Yeah, I'm eating my food. Next, we're going to talk about food as gifts. This, for Tony and I, has been one of the lingering still 10 years into our vegan life (laughs) struggles that we still experience. And it is a little bit, it is challenging. We'll just say that. Tony, I know you have a lot of stories. Can you share some? I've shared a couple in the past about how I have just eaten it, especially in my early vegan days, Uh, depending on what it was. I know I shared when when we were talking to Josie about how I had just turned vegan and my aunt made me these vegetarian Mexican meatballs. And I was so overwhelmed with gratitude that she would learn what vegetarian meats were and then learn how to cook this meatball that I loved uh, as what she thought was vegan. And I just, I just ate them and I was grateful and I didn't think it made a a big difference. Uh, But I felt differently at that time because I had just turned vegan, but I've now been vegan for 13 years and a similar situation happened to me very recently. And I remember calling Michelle immediately while I'm currently experiencing, I was like in the moment, I was like, Michelle, what do I do? And it is such a difficult situation to navigate because especially in my culture, which I've talked about countless times on the podcast, food is a sign of affection and is a gift of not only the food that you're about to be nourished by, but also one's gratitude or love for you. And to turn that food away is often seen as disrespectful. And so I had a friend who, as a thank you, woke up really early before coming to my house and handmade from scratch this entire meal. It was tostadas, vegetarian tostadas. And she had made the tortillas from scratch out of corn masa in the morning and then fried them and then made beans from scratch and just everything was from scratch. And then at the end, she sprinkled a little bit of cheese on it and then brought them to my house. And I looked at them and I was like, oh gosh. And she, while she was handing them to me, she was telling me, oh, I'm so grateful to you. You really have made an impact on my life. Thank you so much. And I was just totally stunned. So I took my food, went into my office and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to clean up for a second and then I'll be right back. And so I had my food in my hands and I really quickly called Michelle. I was like, what do I do? I have this here. How do I navigate the situation without being disrespectful? And what did you say, Michelle? There was no clear answer. I feel like we talked for like 15 minutes trying to throw out ideas and then ended up with like, I can't wait to hear what you do because this is so hard. (laughs) Yeah, that situation was really hard. And even though we've been vegan for 13 years each, we still had such a difficult time trying to figure out how we wanted to respond, how we wanted to act, what was important in that moment. And ultimately, I decided to scrape the cheese off, which was easy to do. They were just 
um, like cheese shreds. So you could just pick them off. And, and then I ate the rest of it and I thanked her so much. And in the future, I plan on giving her the plant-based on a budget cookbook and introducing her to plant-based foods. So it could be an opportunity for her to expand her cooking horizons with plant-based options. So I, I don't regret any of how it went down, but I also have at this point a lot of patience and grace with myself to figure out how to be respectful of my culture and the culture of the people I love and also passionate about veganism or passion for veganism. So I I don't think I need to pick one or the other. And I'm still learning how to have everything in my life coexist. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful, beautifully said. And then the crazy like twist of the story is the same friend was talking to me weeks later and started talking about food and her love of food and how she loves loves making people food and bringing people food and was describing this dish that was vegetarian. And um, since I had known that she is so sweet and generous and may bring food in the future because she's so kind, I knew that an easy way to prevent even any of any of that situation from coming up is to just say right then, oh yeah, I, I actually don't eat um, any dairy, any milk, any eggs. Um, so yeah, it, cooking's a little bit different and just plant those seeds early so that it never gets to the point where I need to figure out what to do with a dish because yeah, it's just, it, that is hard and it's just an imperfect situation, but yeah, at, we all need to become comfortable being imperfect because that's the world we live in. And it's tough too, because, gosh, Michelle, did you see that movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah. (laughs) Do you know where the aunt is like, what? You don't eat no meat? Okay, I'll make you lamb. Do you know that part? Okay. That is kind of what it's like in my family sometimes. People have the best intentions and they want to accommodate me, but then they'll accidentally, or they'll put egg in there because it's not dairy and it's not meat. And sometimes you have to be really specific, but I, again, it's just this conversation that happens over time with your loved ones. Okay. I feel like that was a heavy one to end on because this is tough. (laughs) 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 Uh, But yeah, I mean, you know, choosing lifestyle and food choices that are different from the norm and even what you and your family grew up doing and eating. Um, There are going to be challenges and that's what this podcast is all about. It's talking through these things. It's being imperfect. It's kind of navigate like Tony and I are still totally figuring things like this out. We are having conversations with each other all the time to figure out what's the best thing to do in different situations. So I hope that you guys either are lucky enough to have a friend or friends in your life or an online community where you're able to ask these questions and sort of talk it out the way that Tony and I are able to do together and here on this podcast. And if not, and you're feeling very alone and overwhelmed, I really hope that you'll turn to us, use us as a resource, reach out to us, send us an email or a message. And I hope that we can support you in these these harder harder decisions and harder struggles of being plant-based and know that every 
year that goes by, it's going to get easier and easier and easier. You're going to get more confident, more comfortable having conversations, navigating situations, realizing that nothing is such a big deal. Like if you do one thing or the other thing, or you feel awkward, or you say something that feels a little abrupt to someone, whatever, you can just shake it off. It's not a big deal. (laughs) We're all human just navigating this crazy world together. Yes. And uh, all of these things that we've talked about, it's really easy to make a mistake on accident or on purpose, but don't give up plant-based or write it off completely because you decided to eat the cake or eat the free meal at work. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be this long journey where you decide what's comfortable for yourself and where you incorporate more and more and more and more plant-based dishes into your lifestyle. So please don't give up just because there's this one part of your life that doesn't agree with total veganism. Yeah. And in these hardest, hardest moments where you're just not sure what to do, or you leave feeling really defeated or deflated, it can be a really emotional time where, where you do feel like I just, this isn't for me. I can't do it's too hard, but remember this, this is, these are just moments and everything's getting easier. It's kind of like, like you're biking up a hill, you you're getting near the top. It's really, really hard. But once you get it, get up there and pass it, you get to just like soar downhill. It's easy, (laughs) you know? So sending you all much strength, love, compassion towards yourself and others. And um, yeah, try as much as you can to just enjoy the journey. Yes. And one last thing, I I was recently reading, rereading something that I had written in the Friendly Being Cookbook. And I talked a little bit about how this wasn't only my journey. It was the journey I shared with all of the people who dine with me. So showing some equal grace and compassion to your family members, even though they may not be super on board or super accommodating, uh, will also hopefully lead to better outcomes later on down the line. It took my family a decade, but now they are very much supportive and I'm hoping the same for you as well. Beautiful. With that, we will wrap up this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast episode or our show, we would it would mean the world to us if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We so, so appreciate every single one of you listening and love being able to get to know you a little bit more, hear from you, see that there's someone like really listening on the other side. <laughs> so leave us a note over there in the Apple Podcast Reviews. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.